0: Bibles, with me to Galatians chapter 5. I want to look for a while at uh, the fruit of the Spirit that's found in this passage, although it's found a couple other places as well. This is uh, the most exhaustive of places that it's found. As I read this passage, and I'll read it to you in just a minute, it reminded me of a, kind of a, a, a funny story. It's, it's, it's the story of a man who had risen to be plant manager of a big um, industry <coughs> excuse me but from birth he was born without any years so it was it was kind of difficult for him to to go through life he had that obstacle to deal with but when he got to plant manager he needed a supervisor for a particular shift and so um, he was doing interviews after he got to the end of his interview to see if they were qualified he he wanted to ask a particular that one particular question, and that was, uh, you look like a good candidate, I want to ask you a question, do you notice anything different about me? Well, the first candidate that came in, you know, he said, well, it's pretty obvious, you don't have any ears, and uh, the plant manager said, well, uh, if you're going to look at me as one who has obvious flaws, uh, you're not going to be hired for this position, we're done, you're through. So, you know, you could see how that would go through a number of candidates before finally somebody came in who answered the last question differently. So he comes to the last this, this final candidate, this fine guy, uh, measures up in every other way. He says, I want to ask you one final question. Do you notice anything different about me? And the guy took some time, and you know, he looked, looked him over, and he said, Well, could it be that you wear contact lenses? And the guy said, That's exactly right. Nobody has ever said that about me. He says, you have such an eye for detail. You, you would, you'd be make a great supervisor. You're hired. He says, now, before you leave, I am just a little curious. How did you know I was wearing contact lenses? And he said, well, you know, I took a look at you, and you, you're obviously an older gentleman, and you know, as you get older, your eyes get weak, and I just assumed that uh, you probably wore contact lenses because, well, you don't have any ears. <clears throat> That's where you laugh. That's your part. <clears throat> uh, it was obvious. There's no way to escape the obvious. And I want us to think, is there something as obvious as no ears for the Christian? That somebody would take a look at us and it would just be obvious. And could that possibly be the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Let's read it, Galatians 5, verse 16, because you have an obvious comparison. Verse 16, I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. And from here on, it's it's this swap between, if you're walking by the Spirit, it will be obviously different than walking by the flesh verse 17 for the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh for these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please but if you're led by the spirit you're not under the law now the deeds of the flesh are and we could put the word here obvious the deeds of the flesh are my translation, evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarned you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But... The fruit of the Spirit, and I think we could, by implication, put in there, but the fruit of the Spirit is just as obvious. It's just as evident. Just as you have the fruit of the flesh that's evident and obvious, but you also have the fruit of the Spirit, and it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. Um, I want us to think about this obvious uh, distinction of us as Christians. Fruit of the Spirit being love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, uh, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Um, And think about the contrast. Um, Do we lack uh, ability to control our lust for food, for things, for pleasure? Then are we lacking the fruit of the Spirit, which is self-control? Do we lack ability to re- rein in, restrain our anger? Then do we lack the fruit of the spirit, which is self-control or peace with God and one another? Because one of the deeds of the spirit's outburst of anger, one of the deeds of the spirit is envy, lust. you see, I mean, excuse me, of the flesh. Uh, there's this contrast. We should obviously have one or the other. And if we're going through life and we're saying, you know, I'm really struggling here, I really lack ability, then it should create within us this, this cry for the Spirit. We could be quenching the Spirit, but if the Spirit fills us, the Spirit is producing fruit through us. Now... There's going to be the obvious uh, rebuttal to some of this. say, well, David, I know non-Christians that are, are fairly patient, fairly kind, fairly good. Seem to have better control over their anger or their food and drink than, than some Christians. So uh, what gives here? And that's, that's what... I want us to think about this morning, how is the fruit of the Spirit different from just polished humanity, just humans, non-Christian humans, you know, doing a good job at living life? How is the fruit of the Spirit different? How are we particularly, um, obviously, uh, different from the world, because this contrasts, But there are those in the world, they're going to hell. And then there's this other group, which I hope is us, these Christians that have this fruit that are going to heaven. So it's it's something we need to know here. And I think when we get it right, as I've I've showed you on the outline there, the fruit of the Spirit is something that is God-produced. It's God-performed, and it's God-presented. And that's not something... The non-Christian will ever have that which is God produced, God performed, and God presented. They're going to have something that's uniquely man-centered. The Christian is going to have something that is uniquely spirit-produced, spirit-performed, spirit-presented. It's the fruit of the spirit. It's not described here as your fruit and my fruit. It's described as the fruit of the Spirit that is in us. So we need to focus more that direction. Focus, what is the Spirit really doing in us? Um, Let's look at the the list, fruit of the Spirit list. You have here Galatians 2.22. It's it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control look at a couple of other passages look over at second peter chapter 1 verses 5 through 8 here you have another list second peter chapter 1 verse 5 now for this very reason also applying all diligence you begin to see a list of things diligence is the first diligence in your faith supply moral excellence and in your moral excellence, knowledge. And in your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance. And in your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless, and catch this phrase, nor unfruitful. In the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So these qualities are described as fruits. And they're particular fruits of the Christian lifestyle. If we have these, then we're not unfruitful. And some of these are clear overlap of the Galatians 5.22 passage. And some more seem to be added. Um, But you you can easily see the overlap. Now look at Romans 5. Three through five <coughs> <coughs> Romans five, beginning at verse three. And not only this, but also but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance and perseverance, proven character and proven character, hope, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God, has been poured out within our hearts, guess this phrase, through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So these qualities listed here come to us because the love of God, also a fruit, is poured out into us through the Holy Spirit. So these, these, these qualities come through the Holy Spirit. They're not things that... That we muster up. They come through the Holy Spirit. And again we see some overlap. With Galatians 5. I think Galatians 5 is the most exhaustive list. But I didn't want you to think. We were going to put God in a box. And this was. The list is done. God is bigger than than this list. He can do things in us. Beyond this. But these are fruits. Of God at work in and through us. And that's what I wanted us to see. The fruit of the Spirit is something the Spirit is producing in us um, as believers, as Christians. Uh, the non-Christian fruit, it's different. Something maybe confusingly different to some, but it's definitely different because it's not Spirit produced. Well, let's look at that. It's, it's its spirit generated fruit by God the holy spirit um, i know it's going it, to it seems confusing but it's not something we manufacture you don't go to the bookstore or go to amazon and, and look up a self help book i want to learn how to be patient and and you read this book and produce patience Or I want to really learn how to love my spouse. And you go and you get this book and and you manufacture love or gentleness or self-control. How do we understand that God is doing something in us almost without us? Yes, we're alive and His Spirit's in us. But He's, He's, He's producing something through us that's unique to us who are possessed by the Spirit. And it's not just a cry from the preacher or a cry from God from some, far, some far away saying, Hey, you need to clean up your act. And you need to have this patience and this kindness and this gentleness and this self-control. But it's, it's actually something the Spirit is producing through us. Which brings us back to the importance of not quenching... Not grieving the Spirit, but being filled with the Spirit, which is where I've been trying to focus for weeks now, is we should not grieve or quench, because the Spirit has some very significant work to do in and through us. And uh, we're not going to be able to get it through a self-help book. Look at John chapter 3, verse 6. Very important uh, God distinction. John 3, verse 6. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. That seems obvious. But he's, he's, he's talking about our nature. There, if we are born of the spirit, then we should now by nature have something That is spiritual and spiritually different from him who has only been born in the flesh. We've been born again. We were born as human beings, but but we were spiritually dead. When we were born alive, made alive together with Christ, we're born in the Spirit. That which is of the Spirit is uniquely of the Spirit. That which is of the flesh is flesh. Now, Satan does a good job of imitating the spirit. But he can't perfectly, he can't produce what the spirit produces because he's of the flesh. He's the God of the flesh, God of this world. And there are other folks that, man, this is just a nice guy or a nice gal. Yes, they they have imitated a lot of what the spirit has for us. But they can't uh, have spiritual fruit of the same quality or the same quantity. By nature, since it is spiritual fruit, it is eternal. And it is imperishable uh, in its quality or in its quantity. It never uh, is depleted in supply. Because it's of the Spirit. That's a, a, a nature difference. Uh, of the flesh, we know the flesh is temporal. We know the flesh will pass away. Not so of the Spirit. So think about these these qualities. To To have love that never fails would have to be a love produced by the Spirit. The world could have a love, but it's going to fail. It's going to be extinguished. It's going to run dry. At some point, but spiritual love, you see, has a different quality and nature about it because it's produced by the Spirit. You can look at each of these qualities uh, and begin to think of, yeah, this is temporal and perishable, and and what God offers is eternal and imperishable. It's it never ends; it always lasts, um, and that's what we're craving. Uh, people have. Especially on Valentine's days, You know, these romantic flings. And, you know, we've all been there. They don't last. They don't go on and on and on. The longer they go, the more we celebrate. But for them to last eternally, that must have an eternal nature. And only the Spirit can produce that eternal nature, that Lasting quality. So see, spiritual fruit is spiritually produced from within a new nature in Christ and by an eternal being, the Spirit Himself. Now let's move to a second ingredient. It's not only God produced, it's God performed. And that's really the difference between uh, spiritual gifts and spiritual fruit, is the gifts can be greatly imitated, I think, by Satan and by people, but the fruit cannot. Look at Matthew chapter 7. Look at Matthew chapter 7. A lot of times we are confusing fruits and gifts, and it's causing us to be followers of the deceived, and quenching and grieving some of our fruit. Um, Matthew chapter 7, beginning at verse 15. Here says, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. Now you already know there, he says, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. So we, we've got a, a preacher or a teacher or a multitude of, of teachers, that are imitators of Christians. They're imitators of the truth. They are wolves in sheep's clothing. So, from the outside, they look pretty good. They sound pretty good. They are imitating something. Given. It goes on. Verse 16 How will you know them? You will know them by their fruits. You won't be able to distinguish them because their gifts are good. They're good prophets. They're good teachers. They're good preachers. They they have the right clothing. They have the right dress. They have the right sound. They're in sheep's clothing. You will know them by fruit. And he goes on and describes this a little bit more. He says, grapes, you know, just a natural illustration. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? I mean, obviously, no. Verse 17, so every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down, thrown into the fire, so then you will know them by their fruits. He's not done. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy? He started with that, false prophets. Did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice Lawlessness. Uh, Think about that for a minute. It goes on a little bit, but there's enough there for us to to, to get a hold of. Uh, The gifts can be imitated. The lifestyle can be imitated. The clothes, the dress, whatever, can be imitated. says, But you're going to be able to distinguish good fruit from bad fruit. And then he makes it a little bit harder that the, the people with the bad fruit... They don't even know their fruit's bad. They're deceiving, but they have begun by deceiving themselves. They are deceived. They don't even know their bad fruit. Matter of fact, it comes all the way down to the day of judgment. And they're still claiming, we're sheep. And God is claiming, no, 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 you're not. You're a wolf in sheep's clothing. And I said, it can't really be. We have spoken, God, in your name. We say, Lord, Lord. We use your name, and, and we've seen results. We, we've we prayed, and we've seen healing. We've seen demons cast out. We've seen answers. And Jesus still says, no, you're not mine. And he casts them out. He says, you're really not keeping my will. You're not really keeping my law so what are you keeping there's there's this agenda and there's plenty of people with this agenda towards self-improvement and even spiritual self-improvement and there are people who read the bible for themselves to get better There are people who teach the bible to get better and they think that if they can get themselves better, well, it would be good service to humanity to get you better. And they teach, and, and they see results. You probably know some. but I've, I've, I've known men and women, preachers and teachers of the Word, and people who pray, and have come into my office, and I've heard them pray, Lord, Lord, and I've seen healing through them, and I've seen them cast out demons. And I've also seen them, when admonished or confronted, walk away like that. And it makes me think, the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. And that fruit doesn't seem to be there. They don't seem to have that lasting quality. Or the fruit of the Spirit is love. How can you... On, the, on a dime just start hating me like I'm no longer your brother what just happened there and and when confronted with the law where is that lasting hunger and thirst and you begin to see what Jesus is saying here in Matthew 7 it's it's confusing for a lot of people but people aren't thinking fruit that has God produced You've only been thinking fruit that is man-produced. But I want us to begin to to see there is fruit that is God-produced. It's of a a different nature. It's not of the flesh. And it has an an eternal and an imperishable quality about it that you can discern if you're discerning. And we need to be discerning. Uh, We need to be seeing that kind of fruit in our lives, that it's... It's not something that we do, we perform, we produce, but it's something that God produces, and then God performs it through us rather than us being the performer doing it for ourselves or our own agenda. Let me go one step further. God presented fruit. And I want you to begin to imagine fruit as an offering. Pick any uh, earthly fruit, you know, uh, orange, apple, pear, whatever. And you're giving it to somebody. Think think of your spiritual fruit as as something is presented back to God. We don't just present God our tithes, but to present God our love. To present God patience. To present God kindness. Goodness, faithfulness, self-control, gentleness. To offer it up to God. God created us to do what? Glorify Him and enjoy Him. Is there some particular fruit that you just thoroughly enjoy? Well, imagine. God got to the place He did not delight in us anymore. Christ came pay for our sins, to make us a people God finds pleasure in, a people he enjoys. And what he enjoys is seeing the nature of Christ. He enjoys seeing us conformed to the image of Christ. So when we offer him patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control, he says, yes, that's sweet, that's good. I so enjoy this communion, this fellowship. It's so wonderful to be now in your presence that Christ has given you his nature. I want us to see that's what the Spirit is doing. when, When we see this theological phrase that we are sanctified by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit is working in and through us, producing fruit, performing fruit, and then presenting the fruit to God. God, watch this. Watch them go through this trial with perseverance, with faithfulness, with gentleness, without turning their back on you or their church or their brother. Or their sister, what's this? And God begins to see fruit presented up to Him, which so pleases Him. That's that's His work in Christ through the Holy Spirit. Look at Romans seven. Give you example, couple examples of this. Romans seven, one through six. Romans seven, beginning at verse one. Do you know, do, excuse me, or do you not know, brethren, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law has jurisdiction over a person as long as he lives? For the and then he gives an example, illustration. For the married woman is bound by law to her husband while he is living. But if her husband dies well, she's not married anymore, she's, she's widowed she's released from the law concerning the husband. So then, if while her husband is living, she's joined to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, and basically she marries another man, she's not an adulteress at this point, she's just remarried. We all know that. Verse 4, therefore, my brother, you also were made to die to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may be joined to another. we, we, We need to Kill something and make something alive. To him who was raised from the dead in order that what? Catch this purpose. This is purpose calls. For this purpose, so that we might bear fruit and encircle these two words. For God. He says all of this happened so that you could be more patient with your spouse. More loving to your spouse. No, that's not what it said. All of this happens so that you could have more self-control and start, you know, falling, stop falling off the wagon. No, that's not what it said. It said all of this happens so that you can present something to God. The spiritual fruit is for God. And we we sometimes uh, I wanted it for me. I wanted it so I could get along with my family, great benefit, but primary purpose was for God, and that's so often missed, that our lives should be lived for the glory and for the enjoyment of God, and the fruit should be produced so that it can be presented to God. Um, how about uh, Romans chapter twelve? Uh, it, 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 it talks about uh, this this concept a little bit further, and I, I, let me just go there. Um, Romans chapter twelve you've you've heard this many times. Popular passage Romans twelve verse one. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies to who to yourself to your spouse. To your family, your kids, your parents. Now present your bodies, uh, brethren, a living and holy sacrifice to God. We want it to be acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and, my translation says, acceptable and perfect. I I like the translation that says, that which is good and pleasing, Let the Holy Spirit renew your mind through the Word of God so that you become transformed in who you are now with this new nature so that you can offer up to God worship. So that you can present to Him through your body, through your patience, through your kindness, through your goodness, through your self-control, through your love, through your gentleness, through your faithfulness. You can present To Him, what is pleasing and acceptable to Him. That's worship. That's acceptable worship. That's agreeable to God. Is that we would be uh, a vessel where the Spirit is producing in us what God most enjoys seeing in us. The fruit of the Spirit. And it's so, so easy for us to get transfixed uh, and so encumbered by this world that we're only living this man-centered life of trying to be better because it pleases us and trying to be better because it pleases someone else on earth and missing God-centered worship and offerings to Him produced and provided through the Spirit. When we come here, what, what, a, what a blessing to offer God a week or to begin a new week and say, God, this week's for you. Fill me with your Spirit. Producing me His fruit so that when I gather again, it's, it's just sweet communion. And you see a vessel That is sanctified in the Spirit so fully yours, so fully used by you, not for our benefit. Look at Colossians 1 and other passages. Colossians 1, 9 through 10. Colossians 1, beginning at verse 9. For this reason, for this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Paul says, I'm praying for this. That you will be a fruit producer so that it's presented to God. That your lives are for Him. They're to live for Him. They're worthy of Him. He sums it up in chapter 3, verse 23. He says, Whatever you do, do your work heartily for who? For the Lord. How quickly... We are consumed by this world. We say, oh, no, 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 I'm not I'm not worldly. I'm not in the world. Well, consider your fruit. Why are you working so hard at being patient, kind, and good? Is it for you? Your family? Or is it for God? You see, if we're really God-centered, if we're really Spirit-filled, our focus is so on God. And we have a sabbath where his delight is our delight and we have a week where we're striving to please him it's almost you know if we could get that good southern expression where we use hey y'all watch this you know if we could begin our days hey lord watch this watch this I'm going to be so filled. Is there something we can do? Yeah, we can be filled. I'm going to be so filled by your Spirit. I'm going to be so surrendered to your law. I'm going to read so much for your direction that the Spirit's going to sanctify me and He's going to change me and He's going to produce a fruit in me and present that fruit back to you. And it's going to be a beautiful day. That's the Christian life God has designed for us, where we are vessels possessed by God's Spirit. We uh, threw a church party once at a, at a house on Black River, uh, lower part of the state. And uh, it was a fall, fall evening, so the windows were open, screen doors were open, all that kind of thing. We didn't have a deck. We had a big um, kind of sunroom, Uh, den kind of area with you know just all windows every all the way around so that we could enjoy the river and enjoy the the night air and we were eating and we were drinking and we were singing and we were praying not knowing that there was a house right beside us where they were also having a party and in that house it was all non-christians and after some hour of the evening the folks in that party thought they would check out our party and so they came over and they knocked on the door and as soon as they knocked on the door we kind of you know the first thought oh man these people are going to ruin our party we're having so much fun but then at the same time you're thinking well god's up to something god you know we gotta love these people hey they, they say hey can we join your party we said yeah come on in We knew it was going to be a downer. We didn't really want it that much, but the Spirit was doing something in and through us. That's what we'd been praying for and working towards. And we were singing songs at the the time, and it wasn't that pretty because I was leading it, you know. And uh, I was playing the guitar, and uh, we were singing. So we gave them some song sheets, and whatever the next song was, we did. You know, nothing particular, fancy, or special. And as soon as that song was over and there's a lull in the accent before we do another song or something else. Uh, one of those guys looked straight at me and said, you're a preacher, aren't you? And I'm thinking, okay, how do I answer this question? And I said, well, yes, I am. And he immediately threw back, you don't look like no preacher. And I thought, what perception from an unbeliever, I thought and asked, well, how do you know? How did you become so discerning, so perceptive? I said, how do you know I'm a preacher? What made you think that? And And I didn't say it in that many words, but his answer was, he says, we knew as soon as we came through the door that there was A love for God in this place. There was a peace with God in this place. And there was an acceptance of love for others in this place. And looking back on that, it just blows me away where he didn't find the fruit of the Spirit. He didn't say, I discern you're a Christian or you're a preacher because of the way you dress, because of your distinctively Christian music. I discern because of what you drink or because of what you eat. And that's where we get consumed by the world. We think that's where the Spirit is, and it's in none of those things. He saw the Spirit of God in the fruit of the Spirit of God. He said, I discern the Spirit of God in the peace, in the love, in the joy that's in the room. You folks have something I can't produce. I could dress like you, I could eat and drink like you, I could play music like you, but you have something I don't have, and I discern that. It's the fruit of the Spirit, and I want us to begin to see where it is, what it is, it's God doing. It's not us manufacturing some legalistic lifestyle where we think the world needs to transform and be like us. What the world needs is what we need. If you are lacking in the fruit of the spirit, why? It is because you are lacking in the spirit himself. What is flesh is flesh. What is spirit is spirit. You must be born again. You must be filled with the Spirit to produce spiritual things. No self-improvement plan is going to get you that. You must be born of the Spirit. You say, how do I do that? You can't. You cry in desperation, God, I need what I can't produce. I could always try harder, but I need what I can't produce. I can't make the Spirit of God come out of heaven and fill me. Oh Christ, send your Spirit. Die in my place, remove my sin, and then fill this vessel. With you, God, with your spirit, that I might have eternal, lasting, imperishable fruit. Let's pray together. Father, we become so worldly so fast. Forgive us. We get so absorbed in ourselves. We let our passions run wild for our pleasures instead of presenting to you what is acceptable and pleasing and holy and pure. Father, forgive us, cleanse us. We cry out for the Spirit to do a work in us and through us that when other people look at us, it is as obvious as having no ears. That we have the fruit of the Spirit. May they know us by that fruit. And may they be drawn to the everlasting God. Who alone can produce such fruit in them. Father let our communion around the Lord's table this morning. Be a sweet time of communion. That's not all about us. But it's about presenting to you what's pleasing and acceptable to you as well. Father, give us a time of offering, a time of receiving, a time of giving. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.